0: welcome. I'm Megan Smiley and this is the Lawyer's Escape Pod. For those of you who've followed the rules, worked really hard to climb the ladder, but are looking around now and thinking, is this it? Is this my life? I hear you. You want more. You want freedom, fulfillment, purpose, but you don't really see how that's going to happen in the traditional work world. You're entrepreneurship curious, but it seems daunting and risky and sort of just unrealistic in this podcast i'm going to help you see just how possible it is to build a business and by extension and really importantly a life that you'll genuinely enjoy waking up to every morning hello and welcome My guest today is Kate Bridal. She is a former practicing attorney turned legal tech marketer turned podcaster. She is currently hosting um, co-hosting the Legal Burnouts podcast and today we talk about her entire professional journey starting with drama school to working with primates like no joke, she was doing sign language with chimps, which I love, uh, how she got into the law and out of the law. Um, we talk a lot about burnout in the legal profession, which is what prompted her podcast, um, how she navigated getting into a marketing position when she didn't really have any clear, you know, resume uh, to, to back that up. Um, and I really appreciate how much Kate is open and willing to discuss how she is very much still in this navigation phase of her career and deciding what her next step is um, in the current moment and and sort of grappling with the ongoing gray areas and uncertainty that most of us um, navigate when, when we're working through our career evolution. So... It's, it's a longer than normal conversation, but I thought it was really interesting and insightful, and I wanted to bring the whole thing to you because I think it's really valuable. So I think you're going to really appreciate hearing from Kate in this conversation. And... If you are contemplating your own pivot and feel sort of frozen and overwhelm or analysis paralysis, I want to let you know that I'm going to be launching a new offer next week, uh, so sort of the beginning of December, to help you identify your next best step so that you can go into 2024 with sort of a digestible plan and what your best focus is to start moving you in this direction you want to go so you don't get sort of stuck in that gray area. Um, so there'll be a link to hop on my mailing list, um, and do that so that you are sure to hear about all of the details when that gets announced. Um, but now on to the episode with Kate. Kate, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yeah. I'm so excited that we're connecting. Um, so I like to start with everyone sort of way back in the beginning of time, um, (laughs) ask you like, what made you go to law school in the first place?
1: Oh man. Mine's such a weird one too. My whole story is so weird. Um, so originally I went to drama school right out of high school in Los Angeles mm. and did that for a couple of years. And then I never I'm not in anything that anyone would have seen. So don't <laughs> don't dig. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> God, now everyone's gonna dig. Um yeah. <laughs> but yeah, did that for a couple of years and then um right after I graduated drama school, my dad passed away. And that kind of it was like semi-unexpected. It was cancer, but it was discovered very late, so we just didn't have a lot of time. Um, And it was my first kind of big experience with loss um, and and trauma. I've been very lucky in my life up to that point. And it really, you know, it took the wind out of my sails and made me start start reassessing what I was doing and why I was doing it. Um, And eventually kind of came to the conclusion that I didn't know that acting was really the thing for me as a career, I, I loved it and I still do love it. And I'm glad I kind of get to do some of it now as a content creator. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't fulfilling me in the way that I wanted it to, I think. And mm-hmm. so I kind of thought about what else I might want to do. And then I started skipping auditions to watch Escape to Chimp Eden on Animal Planet, which is yeah. a documentary. <laughs> yeah, as <series>. does. <laughs> Like you do, you know, like, now that I'm talking about this again, I cannot believe I haven't made this association, but that was probably my first experience with burnout. Um, Mm. And I am just registering that right now. This is part of the process. Um, But I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. And I was like, you know, I've always loved animals. I've always been interested in great apes in particular. I used to have a poster of Coco the gorilla on my wall, you know, Mm, (laughs) so... I started thinking about what I could do in that aspect, found a program at Central Washington University in Washington State that was, um, it would give you a degree with the word primate in it, which is what I wanted. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: they had a sanctuary on campus for three chimpanzees that spoke American sign language. So you got to work with them while you were in this program. And that sounded amazing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. So I did. And then when I was in that program, it was amazing. It was a really cool experience. I got to, yeah. you know, speak sign I mean, language with chimpanzees. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: That's like your inner um, child being like, I'm doing exactly what I would have told you I wanted to do. I, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And then one of my good friends there actually, she wound up being Coco's primary caregiver toward the end of Coco's life. So um that was really interesting as well to kind of get a, a view into that world from her. Yeah. And um, but I, I took this random like digital forensics class for some reason because I thought it would be interesting and was really enjoying it and sort of dropped to my professor that I'd always had a secret hankering to like join the FBI, <laughs> not serial yeah. killers, was watching a right. lot of criminal minds. <laughs> 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 and he was like, okay, well, if you're, if you're serious about that, let's talk about it. And so I talk to him and he made it feel a little more realistic. And law school for me was the path there because mm. FBI recruits from several different places, but lawyers are one of them that they, right. that they take. And so I, without thinking too much more about it, as I'm want to do, uh, was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do then. And then I went to law school. <laughs> and- wow.
0: Like, what, what was, what was the thought about the primates at that point you were just like that was a cool experience and now I've had it (laughs) Not really.
1: I think I was in a place where I realized if I wanted to continue in that career path it was either research heavy which I really didn't want to do I didn't want to go sit somewhere and take just really um, detailed and (laughs) kind of slow notes Uh, as important as that work is it was just not I wanted to be a caregiver and do what I was doing, but there's not really a lot of career mobility in that unless you want to then move up and run a sanctuary or something like that. I wasn't sure I really wanted to do that either. Yeah. So I kind of hit a place where I didn't know really where I wanted to go with that. And then I latched onto the new shiny thing and was like, okay, that's the goal now, Um, which is a habit I have. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> that the trend that I will mean, continue. You're, you're
0: talking to someone who's on like at least their fourth career, so I get it.
1: <laughs> nonlinear. I love a nonlinear yes. <laughs> path. Yeah. Uh so I went to law school and then partially through just I don't think I ever thought that, you know, the criminal justice system worked flawlessly, but yeah. I really learned so much more. And both my law schools—I I did my first year at the University of Colorado in Boulder, and then I transferred to Cornell and completed my degree there. Uh, mm-hmm. So I had two law school experiences, and they both were very, very good. I think about telling students about the realities of the legal system and, and really being honest about the shortcomings and the the failings. And I just started realizing I was not on the arrest people, prosecute people side of things, and I right, was more right. defense oriented. But of course, that took away the idea of going into the FBI. And then I went, oh, shit, I have to be an actual lawyer now.
0: (laughs) Right, right.
1: Uh, and yeah, then I yes. kind of discovered the world of prisoner advocacy, and uh, also did like the death penalty defense clinic and juvenile justice clinics, and that was really where I found. I was like, okay. Ooh, I did I a juvenile do, justice
0: clinic too. Oh really?
1: <laughs> yeah, I like That's went so to like cool.
0: the girl detention center, and yeah, it was oh, it was sort wow. of random, but random that we both <laughs> did that. Yeah. Thing. But I mean, yeah. clearly there's a thread so of important. like justice, and um, you know, there's still. You may have ended up on the other side, but it still seems like some. Threat yeah, I wanted really to help people.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and like I even for a while while I was having these thoughts, I was like, maybe I should still go into FBI or go prosecutorial because I think it's important to pe- have people on that side of things who are empathetic to the other side right. and who do see things from that side. But then I was like, you're probably just being naive. <laughs> Uh, that you would, you know, change <laughs> the system from within. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And and it just didn't sit right with me after a certain point, I guess. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, um,
0: how did that play out then in terms of your post law school career?
1: Yeah, so the other thing that happened was my yeah. husband went into the military while I was in law ah. school. Oh. Okay. After we were already married. Yeah. So, that threw a wrench in stuff in that it was like, okay, now I don't know where I'm going to live after I graduate. So I don't know which bar exam to take. And it was one of three and they were like three of the hardest. (laughs) I can't remember. It was, I think, Virginia, California and one other one that was a tough one. And I was like, I'm not taking two. So thankfully my professors at the death penalty defense clinic actually gave me a job as like a remote research assistant for them while I waited to find out where we were going to go. So I didn't take the bar until a year after I graduated. Mm -hmm. Um, Wound up in California, Mm -hmm. took it there. Thank God passed the first time and then got a job. Well, so I was working, I was interning at the public defender's office as like a law clerk. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then I got my results, found out I passed. And then the pandemic hit and the public defender's office basically shut down um but it kind of worked out anyway because they were very much they made it very clear that if I wanted to become an attorney there I'd be welcome to and I just didn't want that at all I did not want to go into a courtroom which was my other hang-up as being an attorney Mm -hmm. I was like oh no I never wanted to be a real lawyer I didn't want to do any of this stuff trial which is really interesting
0: because it seems like just given your background sort of some inclination towards acting you would think courtroom might Sound fun to you.
1: People said that to me all the time. And I think there are actors that do feel that way. But when you're acting, it's not your own thoughts, number one, coming out of your mouth. You're not being judged on your own opinions. You have to memorize lines, but after a certain point, you're just speaking them second nature. You're not having to actively think on your feet as much. And you're also not responsible for someone's, like, livelihood or actual life.
0: (laughs) Fair distinction. I don't, yeah, I don't know that yeah. you can
1: do anything in the law that doesn't have a really high stakes results, you know, or element. You're mm-hmm. affecting people in, in a really real way, no matter what you're doing, yeah. whether it's business, yeah. personal, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I was very good at the delivery and I was great at like opening and closing and all of that stuff. I actually did very well in trial advocacy, but it was so stressful for, to me that I just yeah. knew that that was not something that was sustainable. Um, right. And I luckily got a job at a nonprofit that I never would have gotten without COVID because they were in LA proper, and I was living somewhere outside of LA that it would have taken me like two hours each way to commute.
0: Right, right. LA.
1: And but it was remote; they were going remote, so they hired me to do uh, pre-eviction defense, housing law, and disability rights law work. Yeah, um, which I never looked at a day in my life. Yeah, and yeah. um. But I'm really glad I did that job because that job was kind of what made me go, oh, I can learn anything I want to learn. Mm, I yeah. It gave me faith that I could become, I mean, unless I, I would not switch it to be like a physicist that never, right, right, I can't right, learn right. physics. I've tried <laughs> and I can't. Um, but, you know, I be- I can become competent in whatever area of the law I need to. And I, it gave me a lot of faith in myself to kind of, um, you know, be able to switch more and to be able to jump into newer things because yeah. I jumped in this completely new thing and I did pretty well at it. Um, yeah. That's huge but it was really because I think a lot work.
0: of lawyers get into that, like, you know, mm-hmm. very smart people going, well, what else could I possibly ever do? It's this, you know, yeah. concept, you know, the growth mindset concept and some, I think, you know, having, Having that light bulb go off like relatively early, I think probably serves you well. Cause I think a lot of people struggle to see that truth.
1: Yeah, and I think it is true of most, yeah. if not all, people who, you know, are going to law school. And most people in general, yeah. I think everyone has so much more of a capacity to learn new things than you think you do. You just have to right. kinda, you know, have faith that you can learn it and give yourself the the chance to learn it. But again, you know, right. I also have the That comes from a lot of privilege. Not everyone can just be like, I think I'll try this new thing. Um, Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Although I also think like lawyers are in this, but like I think we evolve into people who are very uncomfortable not being good at something because we're like, Mm -hmm. told the story of like, you know, you're excellent and whatever. And then to be like, ooh, I'm going to do something I'm not sure I'm good at yet. (laughs) It's so deeply. It's more about surviving the deep discomfort of even trying.
1: For sure. And I think that it's so easy to be pigeonholed in the law, right? Because the law is so yeah. vast. It'd be overwhelming to learn <laughs> all of it and every right. aspect. So you find your thing that you like to do and you lean into that because that's you You can go deep on something yeah, um, rather yeah. than broad. And I think that it can be really intimidating to go broad in the law and also make you feel that way. Yeah. Like you're, you're not as competent um, yeah. if you don't have a deep understanding of whatever area that you're in. So I under- I completely understand why people don't want to jump around um but and and it's it is it's so uncomfortable to especially the older you get to be the new person and to be the person who doesn't know what they're doing to do that over and over and over again is tough yeah but no it is (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but exciting too yeah
0: (laughs) well yeah and I think it's you know there are trade-offs in everything there's like do you like sort of stability and the known or you know mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people are comfortable there and that suits them and those are the people that are not listening to this podcast um <laughs> right like not applicable like, yeah, to this audience. Good. yeah exactly <laughs> whereas for a lot of us and probably most of the people listening it's like there is this thing of like uh this like straight line path that as you know as qualified I, as I am something is telling me this is not quite my path
1: yeah yep yeah. And and having had the luxury of jumping around, you know, when I burned out in that job because the work was just really hard, you know, yeah. um, homelessness prevention in Los Angeles during the pandemic—it was not a fun environment, right. right? And it was just high stakes, and people, you know, people's housing is on the line. That's that's a really tough yeah. position for well for the people that it affects, obviously the toughest position for them. Right. Um, but you, you know, you, you never turn it off. You're just always worried about your clients and it's really, really hard. Um, plus my husband was deployed twice for very long periods of time during that time. So I was alone and it, it was yeah. COVID. So I wasn't seeing anybody and I don't oh, live near hard. anyone I really knew. It was a lot. Yeah, um, that's a lot. And when I first started thinking of leaving, I was looking at policy jobs initially because I was mm-hmm. like, oh, part of my burnout is I feel like I'm not, you know, I'm just putting Band-Aids on things. yeah. And until the system gets fixed upstream, nothing's really going to change. Yeah. But policy positions require so much experience. Even if you're an attorney and you have experience in other things, you know, if you don't have Hill connections, you don't have previous policy experience, you really just can't. It's, it's really hard to break in. So mm-hmm. I was hitting a wall there. And then I started looking at legal tech Jobs because so many of them were remote, yeah. And then I had a whole crisis about um, going chasing after a job that paid more, (laughs) and that wasn't helping people directly in the way that I had been helping because that had always kind of been my image of myself and my future was that I was going to be on the ground, like really just getting in there and helping people in really tough situations, and then finding out that I. Wasn't handling that well was really difficult for me. It was kind of like an identity crisis. Yeah. Um, yeah, I bet. And then, of course, as I'm sure for anyone who thinks about leaving the law, you know, you've poured so much time and energy and money into becoming a legal professional. Mm-hmm. The thought of leaving that and feeling like you wasted it is tough. And plus I felt like I had jumped around so much already. I was like, I was supposed to have found my career here and I didn't, whoops, again, you know. Right, right. Um, But I eventually got over my, with the help of a therapist, (laughs) got over my hangups about doing something that maybe feels easier and pays more money and that that's okay, you're still a good person. And I jumped into (laughs) legal tech at an e-discovery company. Yeah, and it was great. I loved it. Um, and I was just doing—I was doing marketing. I wasn't even, but they liked me because I had—I was an attorney. We were selling to attorneys, right? But I was just like, you know, making video content, which I had never really done before, and written content. And they were a very fun company, very like funny, willing to push the envelope. Yeah. And so that I kind of discovered this whole new area. Yeah. That really felt right for the first time in a long time. Um, yeah.
0: I'm curious how you yeah. pitched just because, you know, and talking to a lot of people which I do, you know, it sounds like, you know, your sort of secret sauce there was that you had this legal background, but ultimately it's a marketing job. And I again mm-hmm. going back to the like I you know, lawyer thing of like, well, I am i don't know anything about marketing. Like how did you yep. doesn't you know, pitch yourself on it and then pitch them on your ability. And does that sort of tie into that lesson you learned about, like, I think I, I trust myself to learn.
1: Here's where, here's where I hesitate to give advice because I think a big chunk of what happened to me is I got lucky, but I applied to a bunch of different jobs in different positions, like in legal tech. I had not applied to any marketing ones. I found this company. I really vibed with their website and I liked them a lot. And I was looking at their positions and I was like, you know, I'm not qualified for any of this because their marketing position was for a senior marketer. And I was like, but based on their tone, I think I could get away with sending them a funny email. So that's what I did. I just hit the email us for more information thing. And I wrote an email that blatantly said, I am not qualified for this. But if you ever want an attorney with no marketing experience to join your marketing team, <laughs> I also have an acting background and would be happy to help you out. And I really vibed, you know, I loved that you sell wine and T-shirts and all of this stuff, you know, brought up stuff about the company that I vibed with. The next morning, their VP of marketing called, like emailed me back and was like, let's meet today. Um,
0: I love that story so much.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and he was like, I read that your email wait, really early this morning. Yeah. and I thought it was funny, but then I thought I might just be sleep deprived. So then I had some coffee and then I read it again and it was as funny as I thought it was. So then I knew I had to reach out to you and I was like, fantastic. Um, yeah. But I what a think lesson I in just, to, like
0: know. being authentic. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that there is, there is a lesson there, right? Be yourself, yeah. be honest about your shortcut. Don't be afraid to call yourself out Whatever right. you're insecure about it, like get ahead of it, call yourself out, do it in a funny way and then spin it to like, but here's why I think this would work for me. And that's not yeah. going to work for everyone or in every case. As I said, I think that I got fortunate that, um, you know, he and I just wound up having a very similar sense of humor and being, we gelled really well. So right, I think I got right. lucky in that aspect, that that's who, I ha- it who sounds happened to like read my had, email.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but it also sounds like you had done some research. There was something that intuitively you felt like this was a place that like might be receptive to that tone.
1: Yes. Yeah. Right. And a lot of it has been of my career changes and like moves that I've made have been on gut feeling. Like it just yeah. was like, this feels good to me. And that's what I kept saying, because I'd gotten to a few phases of interviews at other companies And I was always kind of excited, but kind of hesitant. And -hmm. this was the first time that I was just like, I was so excited. I didn't even want to tell anyone about it because I was worried I would jinx it, you know. So it just felt that right. Yeah. and I
0: I love that. I just
1: trusted that feeling. Um, I think that's such
0: an underutilized tool in navigating your gut. This whole process <laughs> is like, we're always, you know, especially lawyers, like we're just trying to intellectualize everything. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like your right brain intuition is the place that you find some very helpful answers. Um, yeah, I think this is such a, yeah, you know, this, if
1: something feels off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other thing that it makes me think, and we've sort of gone back and forth a little bit about this on, on LinkedIn is like what, what is quote unquote professional, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's such like a buttoned up tight version of that in a lot of people's minds, certainly in sort of like the traditional legal space. And um, sort of, especially when you get outside of that bubble, what is defined as professional is much broader and and also like what is professional for you and what kind of environment do you want to be in like I'd rather be in an environment that thought that was funny than one that was like I would never hire this
1: person (laughs) exactly exactly and I know that not everyone again like not everyone has the luxury of waiting around for the thing that feels right right um and I want to recognize that but you know I think that to the degree that you can follow your gut to figure out what thing feels the rightest when you have options or at least which direction you feel like you're leaning that can help you narrow where you might want to go because it's tough to think about and and I hadn't even been an attorney for that long I burned out after two years or no I burned out after six months (laughs) yeah but I didn't leave the job until after two years and I, for attorneys who have been attorneys for much longer than that, and especially folks who always wanted to be attorneys, you know, it was a little easier for me because I was like, oh, I don't know, I never yeah. really wanted to do this in the first place, right? So no harm, no foul, right. jumping out of it again. Right. But for folks, it really is such a core piece of their identity. That's a really, really difficult thing to think about what you do next and not judge yep. yourself for wanting to do something else and not yep. And ignore the people who will judge you for doing something else. I didn't experience that much, but I know a lot of other attorneys when they left the law and paralegals um, have had people basically shame them for getting out of the law and say that they're doing something less prestigious or less respectable or whatever it is. And you can't listen to that. That's
0: definitely a a hurdle for, for a lot of people and part of why it's like, You've got to get so clear on what's true for you because then, mm-hmm. then those responses don't land as heavily as if you like kind of also believe them.
1: Yes, um, and I think I'm only now in a spot. Actually, it was from leaving that tech job. It wasn't even from leaving the law, but leaving my tech job to do the podcast that I have. Yeah. That was the moment for me of that finally feeling like I knew – my own value Mm -hmm. and the ability to say no to something that wasn't going to value me and not just feel like I have to say yes, because A, B, C, D, E, F, whatever should is out there.
0: Yeah.
1: I was just like, no, if it's not right for me, I'm not doing it. And that is a, and I've wavered in that (laughs) now, you know, ebbs and flows, the confidence. Yeah. Yeah. But it's hard to get to that place. I mean, I'm 36. Like I... (laughs) It took me a long time to get yeah. there.
0: No, I hear you because in some ways, like, so, you know, I practiced for four years and then I was at the law school for, for nine years. But like five years mm-hmm. into that, I was like, oh, shit, like I thought this was it <laughs> and now it's not it. And I'm with you in, in, in that second transition actually was far more difficult because I like you maybe a little bit more was like, I'll be a lawyer, but like I wasn't. I wasn't that surprised Mm -hmm. that I didn't like being a lawyer like you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But wherever, wherever that sort of the rubber meets the road for you, it's that feeling of like, Oh God. Okay. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a real soul searching endeavor at some point.
1: Yeah. And I think so many people who become attorneys are very focused and determined because you have Mm -hmm. to be to get through everything that it takes to get there. And it's, you know, I always had a North star. I was like, this is my goal. And this is what I will be doing, you know, five year, not necessarily a five year plan detail, but I knew where I wanted to be. I knew where I wanted to go. I knew what I wanted to do professionally. It was all very clear to me always. It changed, but when it changed, the new thing was the clear North star. Right. And I'm at the point in my life now where I don't have that. And at first that was really scary. And it's sometimes still gives me a ton of anxiety and I don't sleep, but overall it's really liberating. Um, and honestly, being a military spouse has helped me with that because when you're out of control of where you're going to live, you have to give up. Just You just have to let it go. And that was right. so hard for me at first. Um, I can
0: imagine, but it's also just, it, it, it also just highlights a truth which every whether you know your military spouse or um my family I've got a lot of foreign service like this like you literally Mm -hmm. have no idea where Mm -hmm. you live but even below that it's like we have we have lives and you have other priorities and yeah figuring out for yourself where your career fits into that in a way that is you know that works for you um yeah, and, and, it's and that was a, another version
1: no, ex, no control over
0: where you live. But, you know, yes. but still, yeah, I think that's yeah, that's
1: common. definitely. And that was another kind of identity crisis that I had in law school, actually, when he went into the military, because it was clear that his his career was going to dictate mine. And I yeah. had always been the person who was like, fiercely independent, Very much like, I am not giving, I'm not wavering in what I want for a a man. I'm not, you know, going to give up my career for a dude, you know, all of that stuff. And then you meet a person that is your person, and you're like, oh shit, I might be willing to make more compromises for you. (laughs) And I thought, I'm not the strong, independent Catherine Hepburn lady that, you know, that I thought. Right,
0: right. Yeah. Um,
1: And, you know, but it became clear. It was like if we wanted to live in the same spot long term, you know, we weren't both going to be able to work for the government. That, yeah. that wasn't going to be a thing. Um, yeah. And so that was also a factor in that. Um, but thankfully, there were the other things that were giving me doubts about it anyway. Yeah. Um, but that really, it shook me a lot making that decision and making it partially because of him. I yeah. yeah. I really felt kind of... I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm searching for a word. Um but like I was giving up some kind of like feminist ideal almost. Right.
0: Right. No, I Um yeah. It's it, these things <laughs> I think it uh, you know, I think there's a lot that we think is going to be black and white, whether it's in our relationships yes. or our careers, and then you get into it and you realize, oh boy, it's just all gray here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yep. Yep. And that can be disorienting when you weren't expecting it to feel like that.
1: <laughs> Definitely. And it was one of those things where I just kind of had to talk to myself and be like, just because he happens to be your husband. You know, like I would make that change for my best friend if she was like, I really want you to live where I live. I would prioritize that, you know?
0: Right, um, right.
1: You, it, it's hard. It's just hard to, I had to talk myself down from that crisis.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I yeah no, I get that. I get that. But so yeah. to jump back a little bit. So you were at, you yes. were doing the the legal tech job for a couple of mm-hmm. years for a year?
1: No, I was only there for about a year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Again, just, just hopping around. Just don't mind me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that just became not uh, like, the right fit at some point. You you sort of alluded to yeah. this, but just sort of being like, you had to honor what was right for you, which also goes to show yeah. you that like, something can be right. You know, until it's always, not. like, there's a season and a reason and, or, for, you know, it's like, yes. just because it doesn't work out doesn't mean it wasn't aligned as the right next step for you.
1: Exactly. I have no regrets about taking that job. I have no regrets about being at that company. It was filled with some of the most amazing people that I've ever worked with. It was my team. My marketing team was just like the strongest team I've ever been on anywhere. They were on top of it. I never had to worry that a ball was going to get dropped. I mean, they were amazing. And it was just an incredibly great working environment for a very long time. And then just some shifts happened within the company and, um, you know, the guy who hired me wound up leaving mm-hmm. at the end yeah. of last year and um, it just, it, yeah, it was a different environment and yeah. Yeah. one that you didn't so. feel right anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I I had this idea for this podcast with a coworker that I had met there, actually, who's an ex-paralegal, and we started talking about how everyone we knew in the legal industry was burned out. And mm-hmm. someone who was part of the conversation said you should start a podcast. And I think Josie, my co-host, was like, ha, okay. And I was like, okay. And (laughs) a few weeks later was like, so we're really doing this, right? And she was like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. 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 And then that just wound up being a a whole thing that I didn't expect either. It it panned out. We kind of thought we were just going to be talking to each other and no one was going to listen to it for a long time. And it would just kind of be a thing. I I know how that goes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I wound up being. Uh, you know, connecting with this guy named Alex Sue, who is uh, massive. Yeah, and the he's been he's been on this space.
0: podcast like oh he has ago, oh my gosh like,
1: yes yes <laughs> I should have known that he's great <laughs> yes um anyone who knows him he's just like one of the most genuine
0: yeah he's great like,
1: he's just a genuinely helpful person he wants everyone around him to succeed he wants to help everybody as much as he can and it yeah. just comes through very yeah. immediately when you talk to him. And we wound up connecting and he connected me with some other amazing folks in that space. And we wound up getting this lineup of guests for our first season that we never would have thought that we would have gotten. Yeah. And it just took off more. I mean, we didn't explode or go viral or anything, but it it got a lot more momentum than I think we expected it to right off the bat and became a full-time job. So it wound up being very good that I decided to not do that while also doing a full-time job
0: Yeah. (laughs) because it would have
1: been too much. Podcasting
0: is, yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's more. (laughs) Yeah, I do, and I mean, as my listeners may know, it sometimes becomes a little half-assed because I'm doing it by myself, (laughs) and it's not my full-time job necessarily. Yeah, you know, you know, it Uh, wasn't when I started; it was a hobby. Yeah, Um, now it's probably more integral. But also, I've been trying to figure out where you know what I'm talking about here as I evolve. So it's a whole thing. But yes, podcasting is is um it's a heavy load.
1: It is not easy. People, I yeah. think, think it's a lot easier than it is because anyone yeah. can do it. And so many people do it, which, you know, but if you want to do it, especially if you want to do it well, and I was really determined, yeah. you know, I was like, I'm going to market the hell out of this. I'm going to take everything that I just learned at that last job and really try to yeah. get something special. And I really want it to be quality because I want it to help people. So I edit very heavily. I, yeah. you know, we'll record for two plus hours and I will edit it down to under an hour that, and whatever yeah. amount of time we record, <laughs> basically always commit to having a mask.
0: That's okay. A lot of people
1: don't. I think I've found out that I'm the odd man out in that actually. And I'm putting way more work on myself and I should just be more organized in my actual recordings (laughs) and make my life easier. But instead I just let us ramble for two hours.
0: Yeah, you know, for me, it's really just like being honoring what I am good at and what I am not good at, and my strengths lie Mm -hmm. in the talking and not in the uh, nitty gritty (laughs) details of it. And I've, I've, you know, hired people at times, but sometimes I'm like, I can't really justify that financially. It's really yeah. So, so for me, it's just like I still have a hard time getting podcasts out and it's just because it's that is executing things that's not my that's not my zone of genius (laughs) and so I try to (laughs) minimize that although I found some pretty cool AI things that are helping me now Mm -hmm. on that front but um yeah
1: I like to edit but it's it's kind of zen for me like I like I kind of get into it and I just like zone in and time passes really fast but there are times when I get tired of it and there are some episodes that you're like, I, don't, I mean, not like yeah, I think yeah. all of our episodes were great. All of our guests were fantastic. But there are just episodes where you're having weeks where you're dragging and you're just, yeah, things yeah, aren't jumping no. out to you the way that you think they are to edit clearly. Right, and you right. have listened to it so much that you think that it's oh, gobbledygook. I feel tired just, <laughs> no one's just gonna thinking relate. about <laughs>
0: you doing that.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, yeah.
0: But, you know, I think it's. But it's been worth it. To- But what I, what I, you know, I think what is similar in it is that we just both were like, I organically seem to be having this conversation. And it seems like Mm -hmm. a conversation that would serve other people. And both started our podcasts, really from that space, without like, any other thing fully attached to it. Like it was not I was like starting an interior design business when I was doing when I started the <laughs> podcast. It had nothing to do with what I, was, what I was doing. I need you
1: to come to my house.
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and so, but uh, what I like about it is just, it's just following your genuine curiosities um, mm-hmm. and seeing, seeing where it takes you. And that's kind of where you are right now, right? Just sort of
1: yeah. seeing where things yeah. are taking you. Yeah, our last episode of the first season came out yesterday. Congratulations. And I've been having a thank you very much. I <laughs> wish I could feel like pride and relief, but instead I'm just anxious as fuck about everything. <laughs> and yeah, like yeah. in a really severe anxiety spiral. Uh, but you know, even though it's not end, you know, it's not over, it's not done. But I think, you know, I wish that I was in a better spot to say, okay, I'm gonna be able to hire a producer to not take on all this editing which I'm just not in and yeah there's things that I was hoping for that you know it just hasn't worked out that way just yet um yeah which is fine it was a completely unreasonable goal to like monetize after 13 episodes but we're close we're just not quite there um yeah but we just can't afford to if anybody knows a great cheap producer (laughs) let me know um but they are expensive and yeah. so yeah it's just hard it's hard to justify when I'm not bringing in any income into our household to uh, I know it's like say.
0: this like very time intensive hobby of, of sorts um yeah and where yeah. are you but in, yeah, like, I don't know. how does it play into like what you're thinking about next or not playing into sort of your next steps and, and navigating this gray area
1: Yeah. I mean, I would love to make it something that we can monetize and can become like a business for us. But Mm -hmm. I want to also do that while not losing sight of why we're doing it, which is to help people. Um, Because Mm -hmm. both of us, when we burned out, felt like we had a moment where we kind of started finding resources and realizing we weren't alone. And that was the game changer for us was just getting that validation and learning. Mm -hmm. It's not just you. And that's what I wanted to really do for other people was just, even if there are some episodes where all we do is tell shitty stories and complain, someone hopefully will just realize that is, we try not to do that. We try to always be positive and actually have some advice, but um, there's something to that. There's something to just hearing that other people are feeling the way that you're feeling. Or have felt I think way that's huge. I
0: mean, I hear that too. It's, you know, I spend all day talking to people who are like oh, I'm you know, sure. questioning what they're doing. And yet I still routinely hear yeah. people being like, I stumbled upon your podcast and I'm so relieved to know I'm not the only one questioning mm. all of this. And it's like, yes. I, you know, maybe we're in an echo chamber on LinkedIn in particular, of just like people who talk about the things that we talk about. Um, yeah. But I, there are still a lot of people out there struggling and feeling alone in 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 their burnout or in their questioning of their career for sure
1: yeah and I mean I'm finding people someone just reached out to me today who's like an attorney burnout coach and I was like I didn't know you existed I wish I had known you existed when I was burned out (laughs) you know I I had no idea that those people were out there you know and um, it's and I'm still finding them just through through this project so if you don't know where to look and you don't know even to identify what you're feeling as burnout, how do you know how to find help for yourself or or what to do? And I yeah. had just panic Googled like how to how lawyers leave law or something, you know, yeah, when I was yeah. burning out. <laughs> and I found a website by uh, Sarah Catrell who Sarah, I know Yeah, Yes, I know. I know. I was so excited when I found out you knew her because that was my moment. That was that moment for me. I found yeah. her website and I went, oh my God, other lawyers feel this way. Yeah. To the point where someone's built a business around it. So I cannot be alone. There's no yes. way.
0: Yes. And I did pass that on to her, by the way. <laughs> when I oh, saw her, yeah, like, she connected with right me short. on LinkedIn.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah.
1: So nice. Yeah, she was like my... She was my beacon in that moment. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's what I was hoping to do for other people and, and Josie as well, obviously she, that's what yeah. we our goal is. Um, and so it kind of ties I, back to as why as you
0: got into the law in the first place, right? Like you're like, I yeah. was trying to help people.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm not helping the people that I was envisioning, but you know, I'm helping people yeah. who help people and yeah. hopefully that all trickles down. Um, and now yeah. I'm just honestly, as far as making money, I'm very much kind of, this spot where I'm like, I don't know if I ever want to work for another person again. (laughs) Welcome to the club. (laughs) I know, but I'm like way too intimidated to start my own thing, my own business or anything like that. I don't know what it would be. Um, And I don't have the mental capacity right now to think about the logistics of doing it. So I just uh, like, I don't know what to do. So I've started doing some contracting stuff. I'm actually today I'm filming some content um, for a company that reached out to me and asked me to do some short form video content for them and that was pretty cool. Yeah. So I am going to do that, make a little bit of cash at least. And that's kind yeah. of the direction that I've started leaning is maybe doing more kind of of that contracting stuff so that I'm still kind of in charge of my schedule. I have more flexibility while yeah. I do still have to be the primary driver of the podcast. And you know, then can hopefully assuage some of my horrendous guilt about not contributing financially to my household, even though my husband's been amazing. I just have to say that, like, he's been so supportive and so great. Um, But it doesn't matter. No one guilts me more than I guilt myself. That's just the way it is.
0: Bro, that is, you know, typical. And, and, you know, uh, it's, I really like what you said about sort of like taking these things, because I also think, and, you know, this comes up with people I work with, like, Fairly frequently is, yeah. Um, like I'm not here to gaslight anyone to be like money doesn't matter because it does, matter. right? And and, Absolutely. and 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 you know recognizing that you know some of us have m- more flexibility than other people to to take time or whatever. That is all real. Yeah, um, yeah I mean we
1: don't have kids. Like I don't have yeah. children yeah, that I'm responsible neither. for. Right? If I did, so, it would have been a completely different thing right. for me,
0: right? Right. And so it's like honoring the fact that like how you navigate through this may look different depending on, you know, what your realities are. But this idea yes. that also, um, it, you know, there can be like a bridge that you're working on and maybe that bridge is, is part-time legal work and part-time freelance work on something you like, or maybe it's, yeah you know, um, it it could look a lot of different ways but I just say that to mean like if for people who are feeling like well I don't you know I, I don't have that flexibility like I think yeah. we both hear that and it, it doesn't have to be a bar to you creating some space for you to be intentional about what steps you take forward and part of it is yeah. letting go of like what it looks like to have a I think we're like well you have like a fancy job and you know you work at a fancy Mm -hmm. place and whether even if that's like being a public defender like there's still like a prestige factor to like using your law degree um and and you get people
1: being like oh how noble your work right right there's (laughs) this like nobility factor
0: and so but like being like I'm just doing a few things so I can pay my bills and have time to do this passion project it's like you know, just questioning whether, you know, is it the money or is it like the, that you don't believe that's like a, like, I don't know, reputable enough thing to be doing or something. (laughs) Yeah. Well,
1: and there's such a culture of overwork in the law as well. It's, you know, you hear stories of, and this breaks my heart so much for, so I heard a male Former attorney told me this that when he was an associate at a big law firm, I think in New York, he was told to leave his jacket on the back of his chair and his light on at his desk so that people would think he was there twenty four seven essentially. Yeah. And we were having this conversation uh, on one of our episodes with uh, Rhea Batchelder, who's she's a former big law attorney. She was at big firms in New York for five years, and then now she's Mm -hmm. an anti burnout coach for everyone, Mm -hmm. not just for attorneys. Yeah. And she's fantastic, but we were talking about this and we were talking about the issue of how women and you know global majority folks and there are all of these people who aren't straight white men essentially have to put go the extra mile to have the same recognition get paid the same Mm. whatever how do you go that extra mile when everyone is expected to be grinding 24 7 and so there's that there's that Culture of overwork. And then when you get out of that and you go Mm -hmm. to something like I did in tech, for example, I was like, I feel lazy. And I'm not miserable, which must mean I'm not working hard enough. Like there's this whole kind of no,
0: that's a thing,
1: pilgrim Puritan mentality of kind of if you are not working and you are not grinding yourself into dust, then you are worthless and what you're doing isn't worthwhile. And that is a tough mentality to break yourself out of, but you have to because it's just toxic. It's yeah,
0: it's totally toxic and it's it's so ingrained in us, like both just like capitalism and just the law combined. It's just like so it's hard to even see that as a perspective rather than Mm -hmm. we just think of it like that's just how it is, that's how the world works. And and like part of what I conceive of mine is like it doesn't have to be. I don't think it, I don't think we need to just accept that.
1: <laughs> no, no. That's my yeah. thing too, is it's yeah. like, and, and I, our joke kind of between Josie and me is that she loves yeah. the law and I never really cared about it that much. So I'm like, yeah. for all I care, we can burn the whole legal system down and start over or not have one. That's fine by me. Um, yeah. And she maybe not, ha- not, not have one. I don't think that would work very well, but yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? And, and she's very, yeah. she yeah. like has kind of a love yeah. and a passion yeah. and a reverence for the law that I don't have. And, um, but I, you know, I do have a lot of respect for the profession and part of what pains me about it is it's like, I think so many other people, so many great people would be in it and stay in it and be helping more people and be making more of a difference and have more longevity. If we just did away with this idea that it has to be that way, that it has to be 24 seven grinding, even if you are making a big loss salary. And I've heard people say, well, yeah, they're getting paid, you know, half a million dollars. And it's like, yeah, but they're still human beings. No one can function like that sustainably for a long period of time. And you might think that there are people who do, maybe there are some people who do, you might look at partners and say, well, they did it. But like, if you were What's at home cost? with them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you were seeing everything in their lives or the their inner thoughts, you don't know. You don't know how well they're actually coping or how well they're actually balancing things or that they do actually have it all together because they might not. And people are very right. good at hiding when they don't have it all together. Right. Um,
0: and I think when we don't talk yeah. about these things openly, what ends up happening is people think it's a personal failure that they can't thrive yes. rather than that it's a systemic failure to be humane
1: (laughs) well and everything that all the feedback you're getting around you is suck it up you know yeah this is part of the job law school is hard it should have prepared you for this you know and because it's so hard is what makes it so prestigious and that's what makes you special is that you're able to do this you know and and it's just like no (laughs) yeah and I find it hard because
0: It's like you almost like can't unsee it once you see it. You're just like, this is Mm -hmm. kind of just a cult. Like this is it just feels very culty. Like, why are we doing this?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I do think now, you know, a lot more kind of um Gen X millennials are rising up to the upper echelons of practice. And I've talked to some people who are partners now who are very, very conscious of that and have that same feeling and are like, yes. It is hard work. Yes, we are going to have to work over hours a lot. We're going to have to work on weekends, but the least I can do is honor the time off that we do have and not actually call you and encourage you to actually take vacation. And, you know, there are still things and check in on you and make sure that you're not just saying yes to every project that I'm giving you because you feel like you have to, or you won't, you know, have the career trajectory that you want. Yeah, those are all yeah. things and small changes that you can make. No one's saying that lawyers have to be cut back to working, you know, forty-hour weeks. It's it's okay. People are fine working more than that. It's just yeah. a matter of the environment that they're working in and the culture. That's, yeah, is draining. and
0: I think having these conversations because it's also, you know, I think I mean whatever I can go and get like pretty like 30,000 foot (laughs) view philosophical about this. You know, like my dad was a lawyer at a firm and like, I always saw him for dinner. I, there is truly this um, acceleration. It's not just with lawyers, it's in the economy. It's this like endless pursuit of growth and that those are the companies that we're representing. Right. So that's trickling down to us. Mm -hmm. And just as a baseline of like how we should function, I don't think that's healthy, right? I don't think it's healthy yeah. f- for the individuals working in the system and I don't think it's healthy for the system ultimately overall. Um and mm-hmm. it's just how, you know, can, you know, how can we like f- sort of make these changes to save the system before you know, there is a breaking point. I'm not saying like everyone's about to quit their jobs as as lawyers like across the board, but yeah, there is only no, but there's so a you can push people, right? There are only so many hours in a day, yeah. and so much that people are willing to to give up. And I think we're seeing, I'm. Seeing oh, the numbers more support that. Like, yeah, I don't want this. That's not worth it.
1: The burnout yeah. rates among attorneys yeah. are ridiculous. They're yeah. really high. I think I, I'm. This is secondhand because I'm repeating it from from Maria actually from yeah. her episode, but yeah. they did a study in Massachusetts, and it was like seventy percent of male attorneys were burned out. 80% of female attorneys were burned out and those numbers were higher for you know women of color and yeah, um, yeah. black and Hispanic women in particular, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's like, those rates are ridiculous. And I think the average rate is something about 50%, which isn't great anyway right, right. in the US. Uh, but 70%, per- I mean, come on, yeah. that's there's something there. And that's what yeah. we were seeing was we were like, we could have done a podcast just about burnout in general, and we might dip our toes outside of the world of legal, but we were just seeing mm. there is this crisis in legal of people burning out. Yeah. Everyone we talk to, everyone we know who yep. is in it is miserable. And right. so there's something about the culture and there's something about the law in particular that's a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's what we've been trying to explore on the podcast. Yeah,
0: I mean, I love it. I think it's, it's much needed. Um, so if you were, if someone was kind of like struggling either with burnout or just kind of like questioning, like I got into this and now I don't know, (laughs) (laughs) like what would from your experience, what would like your advice to them be about just sort of how to start thinking through next steps?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, endless caveats. It's if you have the opportunity, if you have the, if it's realistic for you to do this. But I think there's some advice that I think can be somewhat universal. I don't think any advice is completely universal. Grain of salt. But I think the important things to think about are what make you happy. Just like when you're going about your day, what things bring you joy? And those aren't necessarily going to be the things that you turn into a career, but just like register them. Yeah. And then When you've had have you had jobs that made you feel like you were in, like you said, zone of genius? Have you had a job that felt really, really right? And what were the elements? What were the things you were doing there? What were or even not a job? Have you had a hobby where you were like, I'm really great at this, or in personal conversations? Or there is there some a role you play in your friend group that is something that you really enjoy? Are you the mediator? Are you the person who gives relationship advice? Whatever it is, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Figure
1: out what makes you feel like you're using yourself to the best of your ability and then start doing research. Just start doing crazy Google searches for things, careers that encompass that. And then... Once you find something, start finding people within... I didn't do this, but I wish I had. Start finding people within those careers that kind of have done things. You'll probably find someone who has a background similar to yours or has a similar non-traditional background, something like that. Mm -hmm. Find those people who speak to you that are in that and try and connect with them, try and reach out to them, have conversations if that's something you're comfortable doing. Yeah. Because I think that's something I've learned... Since being more present on social like LinkedIn is, I used to hate networking and I still, I mean, I do not like, you know, going to a networking event and doing small talk. Yeah. I love LinkedIn because it kind of lets you network in your own way, at your own pace. Yeah. And I think it is important though, that, that there are people out there who will have advice for you and who will be willing to help you and who will be willing to connect you with other people. And it's much more likely you'll actually be able to accomplish something and jump into something else if you have a support system within that space.
0: Yeah. I think that's great advice. Yeah.
1: I would encourage people to do that. I also recognize though that not everyone's comfortable at like cold outreach or at just talking to strange people that they don't know. So I think if you can in that case, you know, research those people and do whatever thing that you can do to follow them on LinkedIn, you know, find out that you'll get their, their feedback from that too, you know, if they're talking yeah. about it publicly. Or and potentially, see if you can craft any of that into your own, you know, your own jump, yeah. if you want to jump.
0: And for the people, like, I get it, like, whatever, I'm, I'm a total extrovert. So I do live on a certain <laughs> end of that spectrum. So I am comfortable with those things. But like, I offer this, like anyone who's been on a call with me knows this, like, you know, if and little do you know, Kate, that you're now on this list of people that I'll offer up to. But I'm like, if there's been someone on this podcast and you want to talk to them, but you're uncomfortable reaching out to them directly, even though I think they would all be happy to hear from you directly about their journey. Yes, like, I'm happy I am. I'm happy to make that, to to make that introduction. Um, just if that makes people feel like it's a little less scary to do that, and, and, yes. and think about it who can those be scary. other people. Yeah, and who might those people? other connectors be in your world that might might bring Mm -hmm. down that sort of discomfort level a little bit
1: yeah and i will say it too i say it on our podcast as well like if you're hesitant if you're going back and forth and you're like i don't know if she'd want to talk to me i do i do just yeah reach out yeah um yeah i'm happy to, and it always makes me feel good (laughs) Uh, i know people think it's like
0: like, whatever i love talking to people like i was on some podcast about it was about people taking the LSAT. Um, and you that's oh, not really what I do. Not. It was take, it was, it was these two guys that have like an LSAT prep thing, but they're very much like, yeah, don't, yeah. Go with, don't go with any debt. Like they have a very, yeah, we just went,
1: like, we just were on there. They were our first guest. Oh, guests. were you? Okay. Like the first so, podcast we guested on the thinking LSAT. Oh, yeah, that's were, so funny. that was yes. great. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. So some guy I knew from, from New York, w- like had had taught with them and connected us and i was like oh, sure whatever i'll be on there and then all these I, I i'm sorry to call them like little kids were like reaching out to me being like what should i do with my life and i'm like i was so happy to talk to all of them right like it it's yeah. not the core of my business it does but like i feel like i'm helping and so just know that people or they'll be dicks and not want to talk to you and so be it
1: <laughs> but yeah big loss you're people- their loss not yours
0: yeah. And I do think, especially if you're finding people on podcasts, those people like want to talk. So don't feel bad. Well, about and I it. think
1: lawyers yeah. come across as very kind of intimidating and blustery yeah. and whatever. But yeah. most attorneys that I know, I mean, honestly, even b- from big law to nonprofit, whoever they are, like they do want to help people. They want to, a yeah. lot of people went to law school with the same goal, which was, you know, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to go help people. So I think exactly. that many, most of, lawyers do have a a genuine desire to you know yeah i always found
0: that because when i worked at the law school we would have to staff up special programs we'd have like groups of brazilian Mm -hmm. or whatever foreign lawyers or or judges and they'd want sort of experts you know substance matter uh, expertise and um I was so uncomfortable because my boss would be like, just reach out to so-and-so at this big law firm in New York City <sighs> to ask if he'll just donate his time to come talk. I was like, what are you talking about? Excuse but, me. You know, I was like, what? But then I was just like, sort of bit the bullet. She's like, I was like, well, she said to do it. So, okay. Okay people said yes all the time there are people who just love that they love that right so anyway this is sort of a bit of a tangent but also just to encourage people (laughs) that because I think it's important because as you said it's hard to just blind apply to stuff that you have no background in and so the way to break into those things is to do
1: this stuff that would be my other piece of advice actually that I really do think a couple of opportunities came my way I was applying through traditional like just going to the website, putting in your application, blah, 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 many, many jobs. And I didn't hear back from a lot of them. Nearly everyone that I didn't do that with, I reached out, I found out someone who was working there and I reached out directly to that person and said, Hey, I really love your organization, your company, whatever it is. I would love to talk to you about work. Here's my resume. Those direct reach outs, almost every time I got a response and I got an interview. So don't be afraid to break out of the traditional, you know, to not just apply on whatever platform they're accepting applications on because they're getting hundreds of applications that way. If you take the time to actually kind of reach out and say, hey, I don't know if you have anything, even if they aren't hiring that I I talked to a couple of places that were like, we're actually not technically hiring, but we were just thinking about take the shot. If you, if you find a place that feels really good to you that you would really like to work with, reach out to them directly and tell them why. Because yeah. that's a lot of places just value that too. They know that they want people there who want to be there, right? They don't right, just want some right. rando who's applying to every job that they can apply to,
0: yeah, necessarily. Absolutely.
1: Not that that's wrong. <laughs> if you are that rando, it's okay. Like, yeah, you're not doing yeah, anything yeah. wrong, but um, you know it can yeah, help you I stand think,
0: out. I, I think that's true, and just give some hope to because I think a lot of people just feel deflated about lack of opportunities, yeah. and it's um, not as dire, which is real. Really. It's yes. hard. Yeah, it is. Right. But also just, you know, to reiterate that you're not, you're not alone in navigating these things. You are and not think, alone. <laughs> not alone. I think you and I can both speak to the fact that like it, I, we were talking about this before we started is that, you know, it also may not be linear and it may not feel, mm. you know, organized and, and logical at every step. And, and that's okay. <laughs> Nothing has gone wrong. That's actually just what it looks like.
1: Yeah, I kind of think about um careers as in the same way as dating. Like you're not going to marry the first person you date necessarily. Some people do, good for them, but yeah. if if you're as long as you're while you're dating you're learning, right? Like, "Oh, okay, I really liked this about that relationship, but this aspect I really didn't want. Yeah. It wasn't right for me. So yeah. I need to look for somebody next time who doesn't have that quality or that tendency whatever it is and you kind of hone in until you find the person that you're like this seems like the right balance of all the stuff right Right, Uh, and that's kind of how I feel about careers too is every job you're figuring out what you like what you don't like what feels disrespectful to you in a work environment what kind of manager you like working for what kind of work you enjoy doing what you really don't like doing what you're good at what you're not and you're honing so it's okay to hop while you do the old hone and hop
0: (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs)
1: continue to narrow it yeah yeah
0: and to continue that analogy, also potentially, you know, push yourself to do things that may not be totally comfortable in the pursuit of it. Like yeah. For This also might go to show how old I am, but I met my husband online and this was, you know, 12 years ago. And and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, deeply uncomfortable. I was like, that's not the story I want. Like, ew, getting online? Like, yeah. I don't want to do that. I remember that
1: used to be the narrative. It was like, I right? want to meet cute. I want to bump into yeah. someone on the street and exactly. like spill my coffee on them. And then we might find up in love. Yeah, right,
0: right. Kidding. So I was that's just like very resistant to it. And then I was just like, all right, I'm going to do something I haven't done and something uncomfortable. And, you know, sometimes that's, that, that's also part of the process. And just connecting this back, it's like being honest with what your priorities are and what's true for you and not worrying so much about what the perception of what that looks like is.
1: Oh, God. Not worrying about perception is
0: hard. Yeah. Yes. yes. And it's a it's a muscle, right? You don't just wake up one day and not care. You just it's a muscle to like no. build your own sort of sense of of confidence and self and, and all of that. That's that's part of this process too, no doubt. Absolutely. So, um, tell us a little bit. Just remind us of your podcast and where we can find you. And if anyone needs a little uh, freelance marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah hit me up I'll shamelessly Um, pitch you
1: thank you I appreciate it Um, yeah well I personal social handle is bridal party of five um, which was because my last name is bridal and then at the time it was like my husband and we had three cats so there were five of us nice (laughs) so that's uh, yeah bridal party of five is my handle on like Instagram and TikTok and then um, the podcast is called the legal burnouts and we are on, I'm also on LinkedIn. You can just search for my name, Kate Bridal, and feel free to follow, connect, message, whatever you want to do. And then The Legal Burnouts is also on LinkedIn. And we are, have a website, thelegalburnouts.com, very straightforward. And then we're also on every podcast streaming platform. We should be available wherever you get your podcasts. If you find, awesome. search for us.
0: Well, yeah, and we just talk you. all about a uh,
1: burnout in the legal industry. <laughs> <Good> times. <laughs>
0: This—that's where to find it. More. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. All right.
0: Uh, well, thank you so much, Kate. I knew this would be fun, and it was. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on.
1: <laughs> no, thank you so much for having me. This is this is so great, and I appreciate it. I feel like I am. Um... Missing a limb without Josie here, but I...
0: (laughs) I bet, I bet. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.